0: Tandem Nomads, episode 174.
1: Art is a luxury item for the consumer, but it's actually an essential item for the artist to create it. So instantly there's a, a mismatch that you're trying to make a living out of something that's essential for you to exist, but not actually essential for the buyer.
0: Hello Nomad Nation, welcome to Tandem Nomads, the podcast show and entrepreneurship platform where you can find great inspiration and tips to grow a successful portable business and thrive in your global nomadic life. This is your host Emel Deregui, I'm a business and marketing coach and the founder of Tandem Nomads. I'm really excited to bring to you today's topic, which is all about how to market and promote your art when you're an artist. All in all, the art of promoting your art. And I know for working with a lot of artists that sometimes this can be really challenging to know how to promote yourself as an artist, especially if art is such a unique thing on its own. So in order to talk to you about this, I wanted to bring you one of my great friends and also an artist who has been really successful at, at sharing her art with the world, Kath Brew. Kath, are you ready? for this right i think so <laughs> so <laughs> kath as i said is a great friend of mine that i met through an organization called figt Feminism and global transition she's an illustrator and she brings to life what people feel but can't find the words to express she's really good at doing that so with a focus on identity belonging and expat life uh, she also her work also navigates around what she says that the redressing, redressing the imbalance that otherness creates. And I love the sentence that Kath will explain us what she means by that. Uh, Kath also um, wrote a book called Living Elsewhere, where she illustrates in impactful images and short stories, the highs and the lows of life abroad. So Kath, i try to summarize in a few words who you are. Is there anything else you would like us to know? (laughs)
1: oh now there's a question (laughs) Uh, no not really I mean I I guess the main thing is that um you say the word artist and it sounds quite grand and it it instantly conjures up an image for people but um I think the reality is very different uh with being an artist and, and how you uh you kind of have to get over yourself first before you can put yourself out there
0: that's a huge one Oh yeah. yeah, and that's the <laughs> whole episode that what we're gonna talk about. So Kath has this power of saying in a few sentences impactful things, as you can see. So but Kath, I I want to know if you don't feel comfortable or not or now you do, but then before, how would you call yourself if it's not an artist? Oh
1: well I I never actually said that I I'm 43 and it took me to 42 to say I'm an artist. Um, before then, I used to say that, that I drew, that I uh, did some illustrations, I liked cartoon, but actually naming myself as an artist was really scary because it implied something that I didn't think think I was. Um, to me, an artist was someone who'd gone off to, to university or to college and studied and therefore had the right a bit of paper mm-hmm. to actually say that they were an artist. So for me, it was always just I'm creative or I like to draw. Um, wow. But naming naming it was was impossible, and it took me it's taken me forty two years to get to that point.
0: Yeah, I I want to ask you a question about that, but just one second, Nomad Nation, because I forgot to say something at the beginning. I I want all of us to learn from Kath's experience and the journey of an artist in general, because I think that there's a lot of similarities, uh, even if in terms of marketing it can be a little bit different. In terms of mindset and getting out of our comfort zone. I think we can learn a lot from what artists go through and realize that, um, that, you know, that journey of self-discovery is also something we can learn from, even if we don't have an artistic business somehow. So I just wanted to put that out there to you who are listening and who might not be artists. Um, but you said it took you until 40 years old, 42 years old to be able to call yourself an artist. What happened that year? (laughs) What happened a year ago that suddenly you can do that? (laughs) Um, I got desperate enough to actually make a change
1: with my life. Um, There's nothing like kind of not so much rock bottom, but there's nothing like getting to a point in your life where actually you're so desperate for a change and to, to do something positive and feel like you're living what you think you should be living to make that change happen. And I, as a, um, At that point, I'd lived out of Australia for about 13, 12 and a half, 13 years, and was not in a good space and knew that I needed to do something about that. Um, I'd been diagnosed with depression and was generally not coping. Um, And I started to draw more than I ever had before. I've always drawn as a a child, as a teenager, but I'd never actually drawn for me. I'd always just drawn... um, Creatively, but not for the, per- for, like, when I say for me, there was no purpose behind it. It was just drawing because I like to draw. And I started to realize that when I drew, um, I started to feel better, that the feelings of depression disappeared. And I then realized that if I did that more, then maybe I could start to get rid of the depression because it was a completely transcendent experience. And it meant that I was felt like I was absolutely in the moment doing what I needed to do. And I know myself well enough to know that I needed a goal to work towards. So it was just on a year until the FIGT conference. And I decided, so that I couldn't get out of it, that I would uh, do a book of drawings that I would launch at that conference, which would force me to do it. So I had a year to do these drawings. And in doing that, it allowed me to actually voice the things that I was struggling to voice about where I was living and what I was coping with. And I thought, if, if, if this is what I'm dealing with, there must be other people. And so I started to, to do these drawings and start to get amazing feedback from people, which then helped boost confidence and start to think, actually, maybe I could do something with this wow. properly.
0: I like what you're saying here. Um, th- this journey of, first of all, using art as a way for you to get better but also sharing an important message and and seeing how people resonate with it. Uh, And I think that's the power of being an artist. And and I think each artist is unique and we cannot, as artists, you don't see other artists' as competition because everyone is unique and and has its own message that resonates or not with other people. Um, But what you've done here is something similar that I do with my clients, usually who are not necessarily artists, but when we want to get unstuck, is to actually define a deadline
1: mm. to
0: get a goal done no matter what and mm. and and just commit to it publicly. You had, I think, submitted to the FIGT. You can mm. get back and then you just had to work towards it and push through it.
1: Yes, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm the kind of person that I don't like to let people down and I knew that if I'd set a date, they, it would just have to happen. And what I hadn't expected was actually – <laughs> how successful it would be i in my head it was it, there was kind of all the problems that might happen um and why it wouldn't work and all this kind of stuff and i just decided to switch that head off and thought give myself a year and see what happens and uh naomi Hathaway from the i'm a triangle organisation had been incredibly supportive and said yeah just go for it and i thought oh no now i've actually got to do it um, But I did it, and and when I had moments when I couldn't really think about what to draw, my wife uh, would suggest things and I'd I'd get all excited again and i think, right, now I can do another drawing. And it was essentially drawing a hundred different cartoons about what it was like to live outside of your home country. Um, So a lot of it was my experience, um, but it also was things I was hearing from talking to friends, things of my parents. They had been expats themselves. themselves. Um, And it became... It kind of grew, it had a power to it that, that grew, that made me realize that the the power of these drawings was not that they were just a pretty scene, but there was deep and meaningful messages in them that were expressing how I felt. And actually the comments that I started to get when the book came out was, actually, this could really help people because this is expressing something that people can't can't yeah. express.
0: And I think that's the key to success, in a way, when we start just putting our messages out there and then see who resonates with it right
1: yeah yeah um, absolutely i and that was part of my problem that i didn't think i had anything to say and who would listen to me and all that that kind of stuff so it was a part of my own therapy but it also then actually realized how it could help how it could help other people and and also it was like this is a, a kind of god-given skills supposedly rather than me having trained in it so it's like how do i how do i sell something to someone that that I haven't trained in, I had this, this ethics in my head that told me I could only charge for something if I had a bit of paper that said I yeah. could do it.
0: So what helped you get out of that mindset that you couldn't sell it because you were not certified for this or you didn't have <laughs> credibility for it?
1: Um. Partly it was the hunger of wanting to be successful. Um. And I would have moments where I would think this is like, what on earth am I doing? And I'd lose heart, but then I'd also just think, yes, but just what if? What if this actually worked? How amazing would that be? And that kept me going. And it's like, um, <laughs> it's like I'm always trying to lose weight, and I go to slimming to a slimming club. And I, if I'm in the week where I'm wanting to eat something bad, I imagine myself stepping on those scales and wanting the loss. So similarly, it's like I want to imagine myself that with money coming in, speaking at events, doing the things that that I know make me thrive. Um, And the other thing which I don't want to downplay at all is that um, I hired a coach and they helped me believe in me hugely um, to actually move forward and to start to realize, yeah, realize the value in what, what I was doing.
0: Yeah. That's an important point that I want to cover here because I know a lot of artists who don't necessarily, um, you know, first of all, think of getting help um, Mm. and, and then, in different ways. You mentioned Naomi Hathaway, big shout out to her. Um, Mm. She's also been a great guest in the show and she will probably come back on the show. I will put the links of her episode in this uh, show notes. But what I want to say is that you had some people along the way and you've built some relationships that allowed people like that. Naomi Hathaway to give you some feedback and support you and give you that push through the community of FIGT but then at some point you needed to invest in your growth. Uh, yeah. But you were not making enough money probably at that time, were you?
1: No, and,
0: and no, definitely
1: not. Um, and the only way that I was able to actually uh, get a coach was I spoke to my wife and said, this is really important to me. I really need to, to be able to take this forward, and this is my best chance of actually making this really work. And I said, would you consider loaning me? the money that I needed and fortunately for me she said yes um and and because I'd been to FIGT and knew how all these people who were out there and how how good some people were um and that this was my community and who I needed to kind of talk to um I realized the need for the the coach was so great because I could see what they could offer me um yeah and so I I went and um made contact with Sunday Schneider Beam. Yes. The fabulous (laughs) Sunday.
0: Another amazing part of our community and a great, um, I love her. So uh, she does amazing work. So you had this transformation and you invested in yourself. And I think that's really important that Mm. you did that. Um, But I'm trying to, could you tell me if you managed, if you were living out of already trying to sell your art before that or not at all? Um,
1: partially I I not not hugely I was doing more design work than actual graphics into rather than actual illustrations um I remember prior to that point I'd only actually sold one drawing and that was when I was working in a job and I drew a, a marsupial little animal um that was an Australian animal and someone who was in another department happened to see it and said oh I'd like to buy that and they bought it and that was that but I'd never been brave enough to actually promote my my art um it goes back to the the idea of art being an essential part for the artist and that so that the reason I hadn't actually gone out there and promoted myself was that I was too scared of well two things scared of failure because it actually really meant something to me because I was creating something from within and the second thing uh which is still there to some degree was actually scared of success Mm. like if I actually did this then what does that really mean? I've really actually got to do this. And, and it was easier to hide and just draw myself and not really have to put myself out there. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's so been about, a massive journey. Mm.
0: The fear of success sometimes is greater than the fear of, of failure. Yeah. Because it, 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 it basically says you're gonna be responsible to deliver. And mm. I think if we can't believe we can deliver if we don't trust our work and have confidence mm. in ourselves. Mm. Uh, and, yeah. and as an artist, I think there's an extra layer. When we deliver a product or service, by definition, you're being, when you're being paid for it, you expect to be evaluated on the quality of it. Mm. As an artist, you can't really do that because art is art. You don't mm. measure the quality of it or people mm. judge you at the end for who you are when they pay for mm. your art. Yeah,
1: that's, and that's much simpler if I create art and then it exists and people buy it but there's also a complication in that if you're being asked to do a commission then often people have in their heads already what they think it might look like so Mm. being there's also a fear around trying to deliver something that someone's actually satisfied with and I can do something that's that someone might come up and say that's absolutely exquisite but until that person tells me that they're happy with it I don't rest Mm. I don't I don't relax to know that it's, it's hit the spot for them and that that gap between the hoping and the finding out is huge because I can't do anything like 50% drawing is like, I'm absolutely present in there giving all everything that I can to draw this piece, whatever it is. So if someone doesn't like it, it's very hard to not take that as a a personal Mm -hmm. affront, basically. Unlike other work where that's fine if someone says something, but but creation, um, I tell myself that, that it's like any financial exchange, that it's a, it's a job that, uh, although you're, you put everything into it there, I have to take the emotion out of it in some ways. It's like, this is a, I, I guess I put steps in place to remove that as much as possible. So when someone buys something, they'll get a draft drawing first. And only then when they've approved that do I then go on to the next phase. Um, so there's steps to try and protect me and also protect the person that I'm pr- creating for that's and awesome. and also make yeah it makes my work efficient too then because I'm not doing three different drawings trying to get them to like something. Um,
0: I like that tip that's very practical like when you have a commission you actually send a draft first that they approve and then you continue the work. Yeah. yeah. Um, so could you tell us what kind of like type of revenue streams do you have what kind of work do you do to actually make a living now out of your art
1: I first of all I do a lot of what I do at the moment is custom illustrations for people and being within the kind of expat globally mobile community this time of year is particularly busy because it's leaving season and with all the COVID stuff it's even more kind of intense because people aren't able to say goodbye so they're looking at other ways of giving gifts that don't have to be in person. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's custom illustrations. I've also recently opened uh, the Drawn to Story shop, which is a range of gifts that have my drawings on them, um, including then the book that that we talked about earlier that I created. Um, I also still partly do my previous business that I created that is a, a business around heritage interpretation. So basically telling stories of of history and culture um, for tourism sites and and tourism places, which actually matches beautifully with this kind of work because it's about looking at meanings and how people make meaning and how they respond to to meaningful stories and how they process information and and to then translate that into a drawing that relates to a kind of a a, a globally mobile life. was quite a natural step so yeah
0: it's can you tell I know it's difficult to do it without seeing it and if it's okay with you I'd love to post for example an example of your illustrations and the show notes <laughs> of this episode so that people can see your work or actually Nomad Nation I think the best way to have an idea is to actually check Kath Bruce's website to understand what we're talking about in terms of illustration, but can you explain? Because I think having what I try to teach my clients when they're artists is the importance of them to craft their messaging and to craft their um, their purpose behind their art. Uh, mm. I think that's where it starts to become mm. impactful, and that's what you did very beautifully. Mm. Uh, could you tell us a bit more about you know what is that message behind your illustrations and what makes people? feel drawn to it and actually your (laughs) business is called uh drawn to a story which is beautiful uh it's perfect so how do you make people drawn to that story through your illustration the the key
1: thing really is that uh humans relate to humans it's it's all about emotional connections and actually um helping people give helping people to have a voice in a way that they don't feel that they do so i can create a piece of art that is is valuable for me and it says what i express and and feel but only then does the conversation that i'm having with the world go anywhere then when people then start to take part in that conversation themselves so i could easily just draw a landscape and see draw some trees or something but that landscape picture is very nice, but it doesn't have the meaning behind it until you then put the story that goes with it. So for an example for me is I was struggling here with uh, not feeling like I had any knowledge or fitted because everyone, I, every time I spoke about something, people didn't know. We should every say time, actually
0: where you are now. I'm sorry, we didn't do that. You're Australian and where you live. I now. am. <laughs> I'm an Australian and I live in um,
1: Southern England, which <laughs> you would think would be uh, quite, similar to Australia, but actually the subtleties catch, catch you out. So um, I was very used to going to places and having everybody know what was being discussed about and me not knowing. And then when I would talk, they'd all know, uh, they, they wouldn't know. And I was the only one that knew my stuff. And it started to play with my, my mind. And we went somewhere um, to a tourist destination where there was a tree that was an Australian tree. And I walked up to this tree and I started to tell my wife all the stories about it, the how Aboriginal uh, parents told their children that if they ever got lost in the bush, that they should sleep under this tree because uh, the, the little needles that came off the leaves would stop snakes from getting them. And I burst into tears because I suddenly realised that I really did know something and that all my experiences were Australian, not the UK. And so... The the story that you then put with a tree that actually may just look like a standard landscape to someone else, but then putting an emotional story on it and the the realisation of what the power of that means to me, if I can express that in a drawing through various kind of expat circumstances, all the weird and wonderful things that happen to us, then I start to get people to actually engage because I'm tapping into their emotions and there's a, there's a, becomes a storytelling element Mm. in it. Something that other people can relate to.
0: It's all about the message, but also the conversation that you're you're triggering with your mm. illustrations. Yeah, that, that's yeah, powerful. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So and
1: and also, sorry, I was just going to say also, the brain processes imagery sixty thousand times faster than text alone. So they're very um, efficient in communicating a message, but also uh, removing a lot of the extraneous information that words. Have So there's a simplification of imagery that's particularly powerful as well.
0: I all, often say that in order to have clarity on your business, um, you need to know what problem you're solving. And usually it has to start from, no, not usually, always, it has to start from the perspective of the client. Like what's the problem that the client has? But here is different. You need to start with yourself with mm. what you want. And only mm. then you look at what problem you can solve with that. Yeah. And and the problem you're solving here is helping expats communicate, understand how they feel, but also um, communicate it to their surroundings by offering mm. those illustrations, for example, or having it at home to trigger a conversation with the guests, for mm. example. Mm. So, yeah. but before you can solve that problem for the clients, you need it to first figure out what you wanted what problem do you Mm. want to solve for yourself through your art
1: Mm. yeah and and also by doing it that way you then know that it's a particularly powerful message anybody could start a business say right I want to go and sell plastic koalas to whoever like like, it's not going to last it's 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 got to have that longevity um and by having been in that position you then know how that's going to impact people and you need to know yourself before who you are before you can then start to get people to look at them at themselves. Um, Yeah, it's, it's, and also I think the the thing is that emotions are complex things and difficult emotions are often what people want to stay away from. So when something gets tough, it's like, Oh no, we won't go there. We'll, we'll, we'll we'll forget that or we'll bury that. And actually what I've discovered is that you end up with a whole lot of people who are kind of coping on one level, but on another level, they're not coping, and it's like I give people permission to actually feel what they do to not cope, to cry, to laugh, to grieve. And it's, it's almost like I'm giving them permission, and therefore, it's a safer space. So if it's in a book, they can look at it and have a chuckle or a, a knowing kind of tear yeah. or whatever. But it, it, it allows people to articulate their own emotions um, in ways that they might not be able to express.
0: This is so powerful, Kath, this is so beautiful. You know, uh, that was a perfect segue because I also wanted to talk real quickly about the sense of impact as an artist. And I wanna give the example, we're still not yet completely out of COVID at the time we're recording this episode, Countries are starting to release lockdown, uh, but we're still in it. We're not completely out. And during COVID, you had done something amazing. You had used your art in a very original way. Could you let us know about what you did?
1: <laughs> yes. Um, my wife owns a very large white van for her work. And she said to me one day, you know, you should do something with the van And in terms of painting it. And I dismissed it, really. I didn't think much of it. And then I started to think about it. And realize how powerful this could be and this great big van sits outside our house and i decided to paint on it a thank you uh to all the key workers that are in the uk um and in a lot of people's windows are uh, rainbows and um thank you signs to the national health service workers but it became apparent in lockdown how many other key workers there were and being police fire brigade vets uh, doctors nurses um refuse collectors, postal workers, like everybody that was keeping the country going. So I would stand out in the road, uh, watching the buses as they came past closely, and drew a scene of all these workers um, with, with a big thank you. And it became a talking piece within the community. And loads of people would come past, and they'd want to have a chat and see how far it had gone. I had some absolutely incredible conversations with Uh, people who who then revealed that they were key workers. One woman walked past and I discovered that she was a nurse on a COVID ward. And she said to me, thank you. Um, And she said, it really makes a difference. She said, we've received so much abuse and we've been told not to wear our uniforms outside. Um, But seeing this, it just reminds me that people actually do care. Mm. Um, I had a local funeral director, cried when he saw it i had a prison officer tell me how much she how grateful she was for it Mm. it started conversations with kids as they walked past with their parents and it's been incredibly powerful um in a way that i hadn't actually expected and i to be honest completely underestimated how important Mm. it would be and it became a bit of a bit of hope really um and kind of felt like it brought the community together a bit um so it's still parked there because I haven't been able to drive it because the battery's now gone dead, so it's still <laughs> still in the street. Um, but it also gave it gave people a focus and permission, like I said, permission to actually grieve and, and not cope or cope with the situation and feel like mm. something. I mean, one man said to me, he said, I'm saying congratulations. He said, this is great. He said, this really makes me feel good. I think it's amazing. And he said, you should be up for heroes of, of the UK. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Like, just, no, it's all right, thanks, but... But yeah, a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of support.
0: And really you good. did get actually media coverage for that. I did.
1: I managed to get on the BBC, which was very exciting. This um, is huge. Yeah, it was. It it was really good. And and that was for me just I think that's a really valuable lesson that I've learned from being an artist really is when I do what I want to do for me that feel that feels right, it then speaks volumes to other people if if something's forced it doesn't kind of work if you're doing it for the right reasons and you're doing it to feed your own soul it then usually has an impact on other people and and can grow um Amazing. yeah Amazing. so yeah this yeah, is so
0: beautiful very inspiring <laughs> so you know Nomad Nation and Kath you know this because I think you've you've been in some of my presentations but I <laughs> I, I teach When I teach people how to build a marketing strategy, I talk about these three C's. The first one is clarity, having clarity on your business. Mm. The second one is building consistency and the third one is conversion. So Nomad Nation, if you want to learn about this, I invite you to check in the show notes of this episode, the workbook that I have with exercises to help you through this. So go to tandemnomads.com slash 174 and you'll be able to download it. And what I've been doing right now with Kath was to actually take you through the first process, which is clarity. Getting clarity on you, your mission statement, your messaging, uh, but also your mindset and your fears. Uh, all of that because nothing, no marketing strategy, no promotion, nothing can work if you don't have that clarity on who you are, who you want to serve, what is your purpose behind it. So uh, this is why I wanted to spend time on it. Um, And it's even more important as an artist, I think. Mm. But once you got that You started doing some good stuff as well and being very strategic, (laughs) very strategic about how you were running your business. And I've been observing you and this is why I want you to come on the show. So there are a few Mm. things you do very consistently. If you allow me to say it because I observed Mm. it and you correct me. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what you say. (laughs) (laughs) Correct me. So once you've got your message clear that you touch people's lives with your messaging, uh, you need to keep that traction going. You know, you, ke- yep. you need to keep capturing these people's attention and continue to build a relationship with them. So, the first thing, obviously, you do very well, Kath. And from the moment we, we met, uh, obviously, we, we got friends very quickly. We won't say mm. how, in which context. <laughs> but, but, but I observed you, and you were really consistent, not just with me, with everybody in the network, at building mm. a sincere relationship with people. Mm, and keeping yeah. keeping consistently in touch with people, and I think mm. that's that's very important. Um, mm. What tips would you have for people to actually do what you did about being consistent with building those relationships?
1: Well, for me, I realized a long time ago that people actually buy from people. Um, there's like a million and one companies out there, but when it comes down to it, if you think about your own behavior. Um, you go to the person that actually provides what you can provide, but a huge number of people can provide what, what you actually want to buy from somebody. Um, but actually you then go to the person that you like. You don't want to give money to someone that you don't like generally. Mm-hmm. So for me, not that I'm saying that I'm particularly likeable, but it was important for me. Depends. Honestly, depends. <laughs> I didn't pay you enough, Amel. <laughs> I'm going to be speechless now I think I'm blushing um uh, no I know um but but for me it was really important to be authentic because I have to live with myself and I can't it's just not me I have to be who I am and I often joke with a friend that I'm a bit of a connection whore that I just crave connection I crave talking to people and I know that that feeds me hugely okay. and so if I go out and talk to people I'm I'm not quite the, the shy artist like a lot of others are mm-hmm. I'm I crave the conversations I crave the connection and that then inspires me um I'm the kind of person that actually I, I mean I work on my own in my office but actually I thrive in a, a group of people I mean you know me you know how I spar, spar off people and no joke kidding. So I, I need that. And uh, so, but I, but the other thing is that I get equally as I'm out there, I also get uh, winded quite easily. And I was always frightened of putting myself out there thinking about trolls and all the kind of stuff that was out there. And that kept stopping me. And then I kept thinking, why am I letting these, the potential of these people stop me Mm -hmm. um, when actually I, it's nothing to do with them and I want to make my business and I want to make it work. So
0: that's great. I, just, I think I think that's beautiful that you feed yourself. Your art feeds itself. Actually, you wouldn't be able to be so accurate and so punchy in your illustrations if you didn't listen to people's stories. I guess mm. as well. Um, yeah. Is there any? I know it's it's a difficult question to be honest, but let me try it. Is there any tips you or help or guidance advice you could offer to anybody who's not like you, who's not open? like who's a bit shy and does not feel comfortable going, being upfront with people and going Mm. to people.
1: I guess it depends on what you're trying to actually communicate. Um, I heard a while ago about someone who was doing a travel blog about how you travel as an introvert, what that actually means. So if your message is actually what it's like to be an introvert, or, or it, it's about. It doesn't have to be a, la- a message that p- forces you to be in front of people. Like it's the kind. Of, there's so much out there now that you could actually uh watch things on on YouTube that, or the internet or whatever, and and do research in that way. For me, it's just about engaging with people and hearing the stories firsthand because I get a buzz from it. But mm-hmm. actually, you could read people's blogs. You could. I mean, there's so much. You know, there's so much stuff out there. Mm-hmm and i think it's about finding what what you're comfortable with for yourself and how you need to communicate but at the same time be very honest with yourself about when you're when something's uncomfortable because it's about who you are and when you're actually hiding
0: mm-hmm. there's two very
1: different things and pushing yourself out is really scary but i knew the 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 buzz that i would get off at the end of it and that pushed me through that and I just kept thinking what have Mm. I got to lose what have I got to lose Um, because I was hungry enough for it Um, that's amazing but I also know that I am an extrovert and therefore I find that that easier but at the same time if if you aren't then maybe your thing is doing something that's more of a, a a single singular person kind of thing where you're not having to go out and meet people or you employ other people to do it for you so you you do what you need to do
0: That's when artists need their agents to do it. But I guess when we're starting, it's hard to have one. (laughs) So so what I would like to share about that, because I've been working with a couple of artists, the tip that I have, I think the key that makes the shift is when we start looking, stopping, thinking that networking and connecting with people is about talking about you. If mm. from the moment you're truly curious about other people and focus the whole attention on the people in front of you, instead of focusing the whole attention on you, suddenly the shift is much easier and the connection is more yeah. powerful. Yeah, as well. that's
1: very true. Yeah, that's um, true.
0: And I think what people are afraid of is talking about themselves, but you actually don't have to talk about yourself. The mm. whole exercise mm. is the opposite about listening mm. and being mm. curious and asking people to tell them, to tell you their story.
1: Yeah. Mm. I think also there's that, like you say, that fear of networking and how do I do do the small talk kind of thing. But actually, if you go into a room with pre-prepared kind of questions or even just how do you feel about that or ask any kind of open question,
0: it Mm. it makes a huge difference. An open question, yeah. I do think that it's important to network as an artist and we can't stay Mm. at home because... How does the people get to know about it if you don't go out? Well, of course there's social media and everything, but um, that's important. The second thing I saw you do consistently, uh, I insisted on the relationship, but second thing you did then more strategically in the marketing that I also teach in the workbook that you can download, um, but I've really loved the way you did it, was to create consistent content to drive people to your, to your website and mm. to your work mm. so there's few things you did such as the friday lives of the mm. blog and you do have a news- newsletter as well so yeah. tell me through the process of what you know what is what is it that you do to ex- could you explain that to us yeah um your, your I'm, audience
1: yes i'm i'm particularly active on instagram uh and i do a thing called uh expat life which is just i think i'm up to 212 of them now and it's just a little uh kind of scenario that reflects what expat life is like and it's it's short and sweet with a with a picture and it grabs people's attention and i often get private comments from people uh, people comment publicly but then other people like oh my god you have no idea how real this is for me now or thank you for saying that because no one else does and it 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 it's proven to me that there's a market for it that people are interested and there's it's global people, it's expats, it's families of expats um, who are who are interested in it. Um, but I also use Facebook, um, which doesn't have as much of a following. Instagram seems to be where, where there's more, more movement, shall we say. Um, but I'm just trying to link everything together to allow for the fact that not everybody's going to be on every single platform. Mm-hmm. I want to be spread across everything. I've also kind of created a style that means that that someone can instantaneously recognize that it might be my, my stuff. So if they know me, they think they'll recognize that the logo and the the kind of shape that I do, uh, the mm-hmm. creation creation I, I do. Um, but the, the newsletter that I have is very much about trying to get people to uh, see the more of a personal side of me um, and get to know me as a person so that they they know who they're buying from. And the same with the, with the shop it's got, Information on there about why the organise why drawn to a story exists, uh, the values that I want to put into the shop in terms of things like all clothing is uh, going to be the same price within one particular style. There's no size different prices, uh, no, so no price differences for different sizes. That's mm-hmm. like a tongue twister. <laughs> um, and it it's a lot of it has been about getting me out there so because nobody's gonna buy something if they don't know I exist. So it's about me being consistent because you could put an ad in a paper, but after that day and after the person's shipped the page, they're forgotten. So you need for me I've learned that I need to be in keep people's minds and I have a structure that I've created throughout the week that certain days have certain things. Um and it's just about being in people's faces but in a way that's not overly salesy. So it's like I'm although it's clearly for my interest as a business owner nobody's really interested in what I've got to say they're interested in what they want to know Mm -hmm. and that's a fundamental difference that I think a lot of people don't get and it's about sitting in the position of the the consumer or the customer rather than
0: and that's where you became a good marketer (laughs) you remember what i said at the beginning (laughs) but you have to put yourself in the shoes of the client that's why you manage beautifully to make the shift from Mm. focusing first on your art your message what you want what makes you comfortable and once you are Mm. completely really actually uh comfortable in your boots like we say in french Mm. i don't know Mm. how What's the English uh, translation of that? I don't expression. know. The Australian
1: um, one's probably too rude to say. So, <laughs> <laughs> but as
0: as long once you're grounded yeah. with yourself, yeah. that's when you start being able yeah. to stay authentic um, and still yeah. adapt your your way of doing things to how people need it to to be seen yeah. in their own needs and how they yeah. how they relate. Really yeah. like. um, A- absolutely,
1: and and I was going to say the shift also happens because at the beginning you're trying to put yourself out there but actually when you're when you realize what you're doing putting out a drawing is actually the it's the least important thing in a message it's almost the secondary it it supports what the message is that you're trying to say so before a drawing would be the be all and end all and I just put a drawing up but there would be no sales kind of message now there's a, a message and the drawing just supports that. It's there's a real shift, which has actually then grown my interest and in my following and knowing who my market is and how best to try and serve them.
0: Exactly. And a little tactical thing that you do that I find super smart. Um your content, for example, on in Instagram they're not drawings. What you sell is drawings. But again, mm. going back, because you're super clear about your messaging and, your, and the purpose behind your drawings, that you're able to create like quotes with pictures mm. and mm. have a conversation with potential clients. They eventually will buy your illustrations because mm. they know that you get them.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then- exact. exactly. Yeah, you're creating that that relationship with potential customers and and the other thing is that when i running when i'm running a business and i'm a sole person in the business there has to become a point when i uh, look at how i spend my time and mm-hmm. what becomes a premium product that actually is personalized so um things in the shop or other things that are for sale are kind of the cheaper end of the market but when i actually have to spend my time on something and and really focus on it like a custom illustration, that then becomes a premium product. So that it it's I can't produce stuff at that level all the time. And otherwise it's just not viable financially. So exactly. there's there's kind of the mass market stuff. And then if someone wants to have a premium product, that's what they pay for and that then becomes my time.
0: Amen. Now, my nation <laughs> could you please back up and listen to this again. This is very strategic <laughs> thinking about how do you convert an audience into clients, but also how to be effective and where to make the difference between what you give for free with your content mm. and what you actually charge for, which leads me to the yep. third part, which is conversion. So could you tell me anything that you want to share, any tips that has helped you once people come to you? What is What do you proactively do to transform your audience into clients? I think
1: a key thing is that If anyone expresses an interest, I make sure I follow up with them. Don't leave anybody hanging. Make sure that I have actually do a a kind of a sales call. Um, I guess for the first probably year of the business was actually testing the market and to see whether there was a market and whether people actually uh, were interested in in what I had to say or what I wanted to say. Um, And that was very evident there was. And then it's like, right, now we'll test the market and whether people will actually part with their, their money. Are they invested that enough? Is, are they properly invested to want to then actually spend money? And so that's when I launched the shop and made more specific um, items for sale. And it has, it has proven that, that, that people are, which is good. Um, and like any business, it's, it it, grows, it takes a while to grow, but it was about just getting it out there and not waiting for it to be perfect, getting it out there, fast kind of imperfect action, um, and then I can grow it from there, which also allows me to create something that is exactly what people want. So if it's perfect and when it goes out, I'm doing what I want, not what mm. my customers potentially want. So if it's not that perfect and if I'm a bit um removed from it in the sense that I'm not not kind of cradling it like this kind of beautiful new baby, I'm much happier to make changes. People say to me, actually, after doing my painting up the van, someone said to me, I'm one of those key workers. Can you put one of those pictures on a shirt for me? He's like, yeah, absolutely, I can. Mm-hmm. So I'll do that and then they pay a premium for that service for me to actually do something that's personalised. So it's, it's about working out how to make money but not pricing yourself out of the market of the average person but also providing a space uh, for people that, that can afford something more. And it's not for me to decide that that's I just put everything out if they choose or they are able to spend more money then that's a choice that they can make um -hmm. that how uh,
0: how how did you decide on your pricing (laughs)
1: um that's still a one that I still struggle with um it it's kind of I listen to my gut I'll like I look at something and think okay what would I pay for that um But then that's all very relative to how much I earn and what I think is a lot of money or not. Um, Sometimes people might come to me and say they want something and I'll say this is the price and they're like, oh, that's out of budget. And i will say, well, actually, I could do something smaller. It's it's just trial and error. It has been. Um, But it also comes down physically to the time I take to do something. So I have an hourly rate, uh, which is quite the kind of traditional way of -hmm. of operating. And there does come a point when that starts to not be so relevant. It becomes more about value rather than an hourly rate. Um, But I also very much like to do charge, charge professionally for where people can afford to pay. And then when there's other people that can't, or there's a, um, like every year I have one project where I help someone kind of get ahead. And I've got one of those at the moment, someone who can't really afford, uh, to to pay for my services but I really value what they're trying to do in their project and so it's like right let's share the risk let's try and work on this together and then we can both benefit at the end so I will kind of mentor one Mm. or two people a year to try and that's
0: that's good instead of selling yourself cheap you Mm. actually find that way to like juggle like you said there's trial and error to find the right value that people are ready to pay and then if you really want to help you just pick one or two people that you do it Pro bono to support. And I think that's a smart way to do. Yeah. I, I highly, I also like the fact that you have a shop that allows you to as well scale because the biggest problem of art is it's hard Mm. to scale when you are the product at the end of the day. Mm. And there's so many of you, there's just one of you. (laughs) So Mm. um, having a a store with some standard products, uh, that are more affordable uh, is also very smart. And then, Mm. and then, you can spend your time on personalized work outside of that. So this is, this is fantastic. What an inspiring journey. We took a long time chatting about this and talking (laughs) about this. I just love watching you grow, Kath. I've been seeing an amazing (laughs) transformation and I just want to tell you that you're just such an inspiration. Oh, thank you. That's really, really sweet of you. I I, nomination. I highly recommend you to check Kath's website in her store as well as her book that's amazing every single image that I saw I was like how did you know that <laughs> where are you sitting with me when that happened um uh, but could you tell us where we can find you
1: yes I'm easily available on drawn to a um I'm also available on Facebook at facebook.com slash drawn to a story uh same on Instagram all my handles are just drawn to a story easy to find um, and uh there's email addresses on there as well that you can find me at which is admin at drawn to and the benefit of uh coming to someone like me is that I'm a, a small business that's flexible and you get the personal contact and if you want something we can make it work so.
0: yeah and and it's amazing I love what you've been doing during this COVID by helping families say goodbye to their friends and, mm. and things and it's just been powerful as well how you've been how your illustration have been helpful to say goodbyes, to say hellos, to say welcomes. Mm. Uh, There's so many ways we can communicate through your illustrations, which I think is really great. Um, Is there any message before we say goodbye you want to share?
1: I would say to somebody uh, to listen to your heart and your gut Mm. and use those as your greatest teachers and confidants.
0: There's no better way to end for sure. So Nomad Nation, make sure to check uh, all Cath Brew's information in the show notes of this episode, tandemnomads.com slash 174. And there you will also find the workbook that will help you implement these three C's with the guidance and inspiration of Cath that brought so many great um, insights on how to do it, especially when you're an artist. So thanks so much again, Cath. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. NAMAD Nation, stay tuned to turn your challenges into great opportunities.